0: This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the Momwell Podcast. Today, I'm excited to welcome holistic psychotherapist Vanessa Bennett to the show. Vanessa is a co author of the best selling book, It's Not Me, It's You. And I came to discover her through her TikToks that came across my For You page. Vanessa's story is so interesting in that she is a therapist herself, her partner is also a therapist, and they document the things that they had to go through in order to make their relationship work and resolve some of their past wounds that they brought to the table. In today's episode, we talk about the impacts that the postpartum period can have on our relationships. We talk about how slippery of a slope it can become when we start to think about our partner as the one or not. We also talk in length about what happens when the passion starts to fade in our relationships. Because whether you were still in the honeymoon phase of your relationship or not before you had babies... I suspect that after having babies, it put a damper on some things, and passion may not be the feeling to describe your relationship in the postpartum or even in the first few years after. Vanessa integrates years of depth psychology, Buddhism, and yoga psychology into the work she does, and so her approach to the conversation in masculine versus feminine energies brings a different perspective to the dynamic happening in this stage of our relationship. Let's tune into my conversation with Vanessa. Has becoming a parent created a strain in your relationship? If so, you are far from alone. In fact, 67% of parents report a decline in satisfaction in their relationship during the first three years of baby's life. Parenthood brings new responsibilities, new stresses, and new potential sources of conflict you might find yourself trying to cope with an imbalance in household labor or feeling unseen, unheard, and unappreciated. When your needs aren't being met, it can lead to a lack of intimacy and an increase in resentment. And when you start to feel resentful, it often becomes even more difficult to connect and communicate with your partner, creating a vicious cycle. If you're finding yourself feeling resentful, frustrated, or angry with your partner, talking to a specialized therapist who understands this adjustment can help. Mom Therapist will help you work through your resentment, understand your emotions, help you set boundaries, communicate your needs, and help you explore what's really going on underneath your frustration. We provide virtual therapy support across Canada and are now serving 25 states in the U.S. Ready to learn more? Head to momwell.com slash booking to set up a free 15-minute virtual consultation. That's momwell.com slash booking. Welcome to the MomWell podcast, where we're committed to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host, registered psychotherapist and founder of MomWell, Erica Jossa. At MomWell, we know that motherhood is hard, but care shouldn't be. We're committed to providing you with knowledge, tools, and support to navigate the challenges of motherhood. Our mission is to put moms back on the priority list and empower them to create a mental wellness toolbox free from judgment, fear, and shame. On the show, we'll be discussing topics such as postpartum depression, identity loss, the mental load of motherhood, and more. We'll be joined by experts, moms, and professionals who can offer advice, practical tips, relatable stories, and honest conversations. Here at MomWall, we believe that when a mom is well, a baby is well. So join us as we discuss the topics that matter to you with experts who get it. Together, we can redefine motherhood and change the way moms are treated. Vanessa, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. I'm so excited that you could be here. Thank you, Erica, for
1: having me. I'm really excited to get to know you and have the conversation.
0: As always, I discover people via this like TikTok algorithm who seems to know me very well (laughs) and the type of content I'm into. It's either motherhood related or ADHD related and all the things. But I discovered you, I want to say last year, fall-ish time, there was a pretty viral clip at the time It seemed like you were on a retreat or something, perhaps. I know exactly which one you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. And talking about how when partners step out of a situation where, you know, there's conflict or they're both dysregulated and there's kids in the situation, ultimately mom now has to regulate herself and the children. And it's like this extra invisible load there. And then I just went on like a deep dive. You know how we do and we like find somebody and the algorithm, you know, so- Creepily, that is how I discovered you, and I'm so excited that you're here. And then I got into your book and your story with John, so really more of the story. I'm just stoked that you're here and i'm I'm excited about this.
1: <laughs> Don't you love how social media is just like totally condoned? Like, I just like stalked you because I thought all your stuff was cool and now like let's be friends. <laughs> Let's
0: be friends, right? Like really, you're already my friend and you don't know you're my know. friend yet. You know? Yeah, I was actually thinking that because this is our first like official time meeting, but I'm like, now I feel like I like have so much context of you and who you are. But... I know, and I
1: feel like I've been following you forever, mostly on Instagram. And so it's like how funny that they the overlap in that too, right? Like Yeah.
0: I don't know, it's just funny. That's great. What a weird world we're in. <laughs> well, that our paths have crossed, I'm so excited. I'm so excited about. And today we're going to get into some relationship dynamics and things, especially after kids, but even before then. But I'd love to start with the story of how you and John met and got together, because for those who don't know, he is also a therapist, I believe had a platform at the time, right? And was doing some like psychoeducational pieces and, you know, as the angry therapist and, and creating content. So two therapists kind of come together and unite. Tell me a little bit about that beginning for you two.
1: Yeah, it was funny because I, at the time, so I had made a pretty big life transition. I was in advertising for many years in New York and had gone to grad school to become a therapist and was making that life transition, had moved to LA. And I was coming out of, well, I guess a few months coming out of a relationship that had really kind of rocked my world, like just floored me in a lot of ways and I don't remember what it was that he had posted but a girlfriend of mine my best friend who I actually co-host my podcast with had followed him for a while and I never really thought anything of it but he had posted something one day and I remember just being like huh it's interesting kind of like you did like you saw something and you're like oh let me go and do the deep dive and so I did mm-hmm. and I was like you know doing the scrolling all the way down and I said to her I'm like I find him to be incredibly attractive he lives in LA he appears to be single and we have a mutual friend and I said, I'm going to date this guy. And she was like, well, okay. Like at the time, I don't know, he had like 100,000 <laughs> followers or something. And I was like, no, I'm I'm going to date this guy. So I had plans already to meet up with our mutual friend. I was just going to kind of be like, hey, hook it up. You know, introduce us. I think your friend's hot. Like that simple. Anyway, as we're hiking and catching up, I had never said anything. I didn't, you know, hadn't gotten there yet. And the friend just out of nowhere said, I have this friend that I feel like you'd really get along with. And I was like, oh, <laughs> he's like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, he goes by the angry therapist whatever. And I was like, oh, I don't think I know him. And <laughs> totally played it <laughs> coy. <laughs> poker face. Yeah. Total poker face. Anyway, yeah, we had, he introduced us and it was just kind of from that moment forward. Um, and I didn't tell him that story until we had been dating for like a year because I didn't want him to think I was some crazy stalker where I really just <laughs> felt I just manifested it. I was like, I just saw him and I was like, oh, this is the person. Like I knew mm. that it was going to happen. But I didn't really know how to explain that until we were a little bit deeper (laughs) in the relationship.
0: So That's so funny. Yeah, (laughs) I'm reading the back and forth of the two of you in the book and how you're both so honest about your perspectives about the start of this relationship. And I'm just thinking, writing this book must have been like a dear diary. You guys are getting it all out, comparing stories. Like I can just imagine the process of that because it's like so open in a way that kind of like when you're behind a screen or like when you're writing a letter, what you can divulge and what you can say is not what you would potentially say to their face. Were there Mm -hmm. moments of that for the two of you writing the book? Totally. Totally.
1: Actually, I think more for me to him than the other way around Mm. because I definitely tend to err more on the avoid inside. I tend to like maybe not voice things as often as I should. I'm better at writing them than saying them. I've always kind of struggled with that in interpersonal relationships. And so there were a couple specific stories, one being our first major fight in Costa Rica, Mm. that I wrote some stuff that had happened that I don't think I'd ever really told him about. And I remember him because we were using a shared Google Doc to write the book. And I remember him coming in and being like, that was kind of hard to read. (laughs) And I mm, like, mm-hmm. sorry, that's the truth, you know. What was interesting about the process is it did kind of force us to talk about that stuff that maybe I had not really talked about and process it a bit together, you know, and go maybe deeper than we had when it had happened because for whatever reason, I was, you know, avoiding conflict or I was trying not to rock the boat or all the things that I struggle with. And so now it was like, well, here it is. It's all laid out. so. Can't hide from it now. <laughs> Better talk about it.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like therapy in its own right. Oh yeah, so, you know, having this like co-document in Google together, just yeah. Maybe that should be like
1: a couple's therapist approach, <laughs> right? Is like you guys should just write back and forth on a shared Google Drive and see what comes up because right, it brought a lot up.
0: Yeah, and uh, there's so many important themes in the book that I want to get to, and while prepping and while reading and just sort of chewing on the content. I couldn't help but think about the relationship shows, like the obsession we have with love. And and so uh, I got a DM from somebody in the community who asked, has anybody else watched the show Sex Life on Netflix and feel like they've completely lost who they are? Mm. I was like, this is interesting. Like, what is this about? Very explicit show in case it wasn't in the name already. But I watched the first couple of episodes to understand, and it was about this mom who was postpartum with her second, with her newborn, feeling like she had lost herself in mothering. She had lost her exciting side. She was, like, longing for an ex who was, like, super adventurous Mm. and sexual and all of these different things. I only got two episodes in, so I can't vouch for the rest of it. If it goes sideways, (laughs) this is not me promoting it necessarily, but... It was just really overlapping with some of the things that I think we'll talk about Mm. today. This whole idea that like when the sparks fade or when we enter parenthood and our relationship inevitably shifts in some capacity that we start to like reevaluate and like doubt the whole foundation maybe Mm -hmm. or if it's a rocky foundation, it divides it even further. And I just feel like parenthood is such a – like catalyst moment, such a shifting moment for couples. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think through personal experience and then also in working with a lot of
1: women clients that are in that phase, because you know the clients find us that are gravitating towards us because obviously we're speaking about something that resonates with them. So I would say the last couple of years, because my little one's three, I've had a lot more moms and a Mm. lot more couples coming my way, dealing with exactly that, like what you're talking about. And I'm actually writing, I'm, I'm in the midst of a proposal for my next book, which is going to be very specifically geared towards this topic and oh, motherhood. I love that. Yeah. And what I have really come to understand is that, I mean, there's, there's a few things at play, right? So Esther Perel talks a lot about how we expect our partner to be everything. Right. Mm. And how damaging it can be to expect your partner to be your confidant, your best friend, your sexual lover and fantasy, your protector, your provider, your best, you know, all these things. It's like we want one person to essentially serve the roles that we used to have a village of people to serve. Right. Right. And how that sets up any human being for failure because no one can or will ever be able to serve that many roles. So there's that component. The other component that I will say that I have really paid attention to, I think more so recently is early motherhood is so inherently masculine in its energy and in its nature. It's very structured. It's very all about survival. I've got a million lists going on. When, is she, mm. when have they eaten? You know, what's the pickup? Like everything is very structure, 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 structure. Mm. And what I've seen happen for a lot of women is in that process of becoming a new mother, and that's not to blame anybody. That's just the way it is. Mm. You really do lose touch with a lot of the feminine nature that all of us have and embody to different degrees. And so femininity, the feminine is really about fluidity sensuality, you know, going with the flow, being open to receiving, being open to being turned on, Mm. being in touch with your body, right? These are all very feminine qualities. Now, not feminine as in gender, right? Because every man and woman has both masculine and feminine, every one Mm. of us. It's Mm -hmm. more energy that we're talking about. But what happens is in those early years when a woman kind of naturally goes more into that masculine place, it really causes us to lose a lot of that polarity with our partner, Mm. Mm-hmm. So if we're really embodying a lot of masculine, what happens is we kind of force the partner we' you know we're talking heteronormatively here. we force that partner into more of what I would call or what my, my girlfriend would call a wounded feminine. Mm. So I've seen this very often. So the man in the relationship becomes more needy, more pouty, you know, they want sex and they're very like me about it. And there's like mm. this kind of needy pouty, right? How many I'm sure you've talked to a million women who talk about how, why does it feel like my husband is now another child? Like it's another kid Mm -hmm. I have to take care of, Mm -hmm. right? Happens all the time. And so that is not attractive to the partner. That feeling, Mm -hmm. that energy, that like, oh, I have to take care of you too. I'll do it. I'll have sex with you, but it'll be a task. I won't enjoy it. And actually, I'm going to end up resenting you for it. Mm. And So a lot of work I end up doing with partners and with women alone really is like, I get it. We can't take you out of that hypermasculine when you're in that mode, but we really do need to start figuring out how as new mothers, we can start softening and reclaiming some of that feminine nature so that you can become more open again to things like sensuality Mm. because we're sexual beings. It's an important part of our life, right? But when you're in that like head down, go, go, go mode, there's no space for that.
0: Go to ZocDoc.com momwell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot slash momwell. ZocDoc.com slash momwell. Mealtime with kids can be stressful, but with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also, discover more than 60 add ons every week, like breakfast, on the go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code MOMWELL50 to get 50% off your first box. We're in like our body as a utility. Yes. You know, we're in a, totally. like a very functional role, mm-hmm. right? And not, as you said, like not a playful or sensual role. We're in like a survival sort of duty, Mm -hmm. our body is even used for utility, all of these things. And there's actually two main themes I think that I find really interesting that I want us to unpack is if we had lightning, as you call it, or if we had sparks in chemistry up until this point, if anything will snuff it out, it will be parenthood, Mm. right? So Mm -hmm. can we talk about this? Because I'm Knee deep into the third season of Love is Blind right now. And the mm-hmm. rest dropped today. And I have a date with a white claw and Love is Blind <laughs> tonight to take in the rest of the series. But I think that this feeling of being totally captured by somebody, being like the flutters every time we hear from them, and the real high that comes with, let's say, new love is something that we perpetually see being chased after in like shows like The Perfect Match. Love is blind. We're like serial relationship hoppers for Mm -hmm. this feeling that Mm -hmm. we're seeking for. And I think that that really gets confused for like a true loving and knowing. So can we unpack that a bit? Yeah. I mean,
1: I would say that love and lust are Two very different things, you know? Mm. I think that we fall in lust. And when the lust goes away, a lot of us, to your point, look for lust again. And it's not that that like butterflies, you know, lightning bolts thing can't last. I've seen it last. But there's also a lot of science around why that happens and how it doesn't last. You know, I mean, the science usually says two to three years and it starts to fade. I mean, we are animals. We'd like to think that we're above them, but we're not. We are animals mm. and we are here to procreate. And there's a lot of things going on that have been going on in our systems for millions of years <laughs> that we haven't yet sorted out. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is just like, oh, I'm, in, I'm attracted to this person. It's pheromones, mate, 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 right? And that doesn't last forever. You know, a lot of sociologists have talked about that we're not actually as animals intended to mate for life. We actually are intended to kind of spread our seed, like go out there and procreate and have lots of kids. I mean, just like most of the animal kingdom, right? So I do think to your point, and John and I actually talk about this in the book, this idea of the one in air quotes Mm -hmm. is dangerous, right? Because what does it do? It actually what I have seen and experienced is it becomes like an eject button. If I can use the one as the reason why now this relationship, well, this isn't the one so I can bail, right? Mm. I don't feel this way anymore. So I can bail. To your point, we become very like we're hopping, hopping, hopping. It has become a crutch. Mm. And I think as a society in general, we are kind of constantly seeking the things that feel good, right? The pleasurable experiences. Love is just one of those. We're a culture of, I mean, I would say addicts as a therapist. I talk a lot about how we're all addicts. It's just depending on what your addiction is. Mm. You know, one person's Jack and Coke is another person's people pleasing is another person's sex and love. So they all serve the same purpose. Mm. A lot of it is to get high, you know, it's to numb, it's to feel euphoria, it's to not face problems, it's to not have to look at our part in things. It's every addiction. They all serve that purpose. Mm-hmm. And I think love and that butterfly feeling is exactly the same way. Relationships are hard. And I hate being that person. People are like, I roll. Oh, everybody says that relationships <laughs> are hard, but they are. Mm-hmm. You really got to figure out what kind of relationship you want to have long term, you know, and it's not that those sparks can't be flamed because they can. Mm. or fanned rather, but it's not probably going to look like it did when you guys first met in that first six months to a year to two years. And rather than beating ourselves up or the other person for that, can we be more okay with the evolution of a relationship? What is it now?
0: Mm. What phase are we in now? Can we reinvent it? Can we be open to it constantly changing? And when I think about the ones that are all consuming and preoccupying, the relationships, like the roller coaster relationships, like the high, high highs, And the low, low, lows. In the book, you and John pair that with like sometimes the lightning actually isn't lightning. Sometimes it's like dysfunction. And uh, my mind was just like, oh my gosh, yes, (laughs) yes. Like it's the drama and we're the drama. Like, you know, am I the drama? Yes, (laughs) yes, Yes. you are. (laughs) Yes. And as a matter of fact, this isn't love. This is actually dysfunction or this is something that feels familiar because it's a pattern or a cycle from our upbringing or our Mm -hmm. family background. And like, in what way? Can we break that down a little bit more, like how those two get confused?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think what you said exactly about it smells familiar, right, from childhood. Mm-hmm. A lot of times that's what we go for. I also want people not to say that you don't have ownership, but I, I really strive to make people understand that we think that we are in such control of what we do mm. and how we act. And we're not. The unconscious controls the vast majority of what it is that we're doing, saying, thinking, and how we show up. And I always actually say to clients, like, there's never two people in a relationship. There's always four. There's the two conscious minds and then there's the two unconscious minds, right? And the unconscious are the ones Mm -hmm. that are calling the shots. And so you think that you chose your partner, but most likely you didn't, especially when it's that really like chemistry. Oh my God, I have to have this person. I can't stop thinking about them. I don't want to pathologize that feeling for everybody. But sometimes when you have that overwhelming need- desire. I got to be with this person. It's worthy of looking at like, what is the history here? You know, what are some of the traits that they embody that maybe feel familiar or what is that for you? Like, what does that bring up? Right. And just questioning it a little bit more rather than just simply acting on that, like need or
0: that instant desire. Mm -hmm. In a previous lifetime before motherhood, I used to be a relationship blogger and I used to write about attachment styles and it's really interesting when we get this push pull dynamic or this roller coaster dynamic because we want to find somebody who we can go through life with. You know, we want to find a long term relationship, someone who maybe we can settle down with or build a family with or whatever. But when we come from these dynamics, what I often find is when we get into a safer, secure relationship or with a person who feels safe and secure, it almost can feel boring. Mm-hmm. It almost can feel uncomfortable. I guess unfamiliar, like we mm-hmm. were saying. And if we haven't done some of that work, like the self-sabotaging can come out or some of the patterns can come out. And I think back to my early days in my relationship where I'm like a very anxiously attached person, but like, dismissive until we're attached. And then when we're attached, I'm like <laughs> totally like, you know, yeah. you're not, you're not going anywhere. So, carried like a very dismissive front at first, but finding the safety and security in my partner was like so unfamiliar. And the reason that I'm bringing this up is because I think the message that came in from my community about being in this stage of life now we're likely we're through the honeymoon stage, most of us, if we're in the thick of postpartum and we're whatever. The feelings may be calm, safe, dare I say boring, dare I say predictable, and that that doesn't mean that the relationship lacks, Mm -hmm. right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it.
0: You know, I think more recently.
1: So I'm three years in, like I said, I've got a three-year-old. And more recently, mm-hmm. I mean, to be totally transparent, John and I have had a lot of these conversations where it's him really expressing, I mean, truly a fear around, I think what he has seen so often. So I, will, I look at like his parents who are old school Korean, they've been married, you know, they were married until his father passed away a couple of years ago. And he like never saw them kiss or hug or touch mm-hmm. or be affectionate. Like it was utilitarian marriage, right? Like you don't Get divorced, you stay together, period. Heart stop no matter what. And he has a lot of panic around this, like, oh God, that's what our relationship's going to be. Like, there's no fireworks, there's no passion, there's no this, there's no that. And quite a few times I've had to be like, you're so obsessed with this fear mm. that you're not allowing the relationship to simply be in the phase that it's in right now. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying, we have to allow for transition. Your relationship is not going to look the same forever, period. If you expect it to, you might as well just end it now because I hate to break it to you. You're going to be wildly disappointed. Like people change, Mm -hmm. people grow. I would hope, right? I would hope that you would want your partner to kind of grow and evolve and, you know, explore themselves and all these things that we do as we age. And if we're really holding on to like, it's got to look this one way, we're going to be disappointed. And so I'm not saying throw in the towel and just say, okay, it's boring, it's safe, like this is how it's going to be forever. Have conversations with your partner, but also just be really aware of this is our season right now. Mm -hmm. We chose to have kids. We've got especially little kids, right? And what happens when we're in this phase is like we're exhausted and you know, mom's depleted and touched out and this is all real stuff that we're dealing with. Now, I would say if you really are super fearful about it like John is, That idea of polarity is really important. You know, if you're the more kind of core masculine in the partnership, is there a way that you can step into what would be considered the masculine? So be structured and containing and providing, not necessarily financially, but providing as in like allowing the feminine to soften into safety and receptivity Mm. and then watch what happens with your partner. Mm -hmm. Because I bet you if she suddenly stops feeling all the time like you're just one of her children, Mm -hmm. the polarity could potentially return if the damage hasn't already been too far done, right? Mm -hmm. And then I would say to the mom, you know, if we're talking more core feminine, if you find yourself mothering your husband, your partner, Mm -hmm. we really need to start taking a step back and saying, where can I soften and allow him to step into this more masculine space and again this is not about finances this is not about none of that this is just an energy conversation right Mm -hmm. and I have found with the clients that I've worked with with the couples if I really challenge them in that way I'm kind of surprised at when some of that polarity comes back that conversation has to be had in conjunction with acceptance of the season that you're in Mm -hmm. because you can't white knuckle it you can't force it you know otherwise somebody's going to feel pressured and then there's going to be resentment
0: want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so, you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast is a life changing, science based, myth busting podcast that's a must listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Mom rage often leads us to feeling ashamed. But the truth is that our rage doesn't mean we're bad moms. In fact, anger is a sign from our bodies that our needs aren't being met. As moms and therapists, Dr. Ashirina Reem psyched Mummy and I understand mom rage. We know that we all lose our cool sometimes. And we also know that with the right tools and strategies in place, those moments happen less often. We've teamed up and combined our years of experience to create all the rage, raising kids with less anger and more connection, a course designed to be your go-to resource for preventing and handling your anger. We dive into what causes your anger, how it impacts your body, how to reframe your thinking, and how to stay calm in triggering moments. And because we are all human, we also include strategies for repairing after we inevitably lose our cool. In honor of Maternal Mental Health Week, you can save $20 on the course with promo Rage 20 this week only. Don't miss out on your chance to save and make a positive change. Head to momwell.com slash rage and save with code Rage 20. That's momwell.com slash rage code Rage 20. Yeah, I find with clients and I'm just sort of thinking back here with clients that bring up the fear of things changing are often like followed by this the one conversation like did I make the right choice? Yes. Was there one that got away? Yes. Infamously, there's always one that got away. Always. Was there, you know, like a lapse in judgment or did I miss a sign or is this a sign and like kind of all of this I think of, like, memes with, like, the astrological, like, trying to make Mm -hmm. all the connections and foresight. And this idea of the one, we touched on it briefly, but it is so, I would say, like, damaging in a lot of ways. And this comes off the heels of me watching The Perfect Match on Netflix, Mm -hmm. too, where, like, literally in one minute, they're like, "Oh, I think you're the one. Five minutes later, in another conversation, they're like, oh, this could be my one person. And it's just like what does that even mean? Like, what is the ultimate goal? What are we really like looking for here? I don't know. I'm just trying to like think through when people are saying the one, like, what is it that they're truly actually looking for when they say that? Security and safety, a promise. Mm. Mm -hmm.
1: I'm going to go a little maybe existential on this one. But the bottom line is, as human beings, we are constantly craving a false sense of security, Right. We as beings do not like to sit with and acknowledge the fact that all of this is fleeting. Every one of us is going to die. Nothing is permanent. Mm -hmm. Everything is in cycles, right? And so we structure our lives, not just romantically, but our entire lives in a way and in an attempt to create security. We like things to fit in boxes. We think very black and white. Like, if you're the one, then that means that I am secure and I will be taken care of forever and ever. Amen and I will never hurt, and I will never have to worry about being alone, and I will never have to face myself. Forever and ever. Amen. So I come from a depth psychological background. So I practice from more of a Jungian approach, right? And depth psychology is considered the psychology of the soul. I'm not really out there doing like behavioral thought-stopping techniques. I have a lot of respect for some CBT practices, but that's not really what I'm interested in. I'm interested in you as a soul being, right? And I think as a collective, we are all so panicked, at the idea, the very, very real concept that things end. Mm. And so we create things like the one to make ourselves feel better versus sitting with the existential dread that comes up from the nothing is forever. Mm -hmm. Nothing lasts forever. Everything is impermanent. It's the nature of us as beings, right? Because here's the thing, this could be the one and you could be giving yourself this false sense of security and you could get married tomorrow and they could get hit by a bus the next day.
0: Mm, mm -hmm. Nothing is
1: promised. None of this is promised. My next day with my little one is not promised, right? And if we start looking at things in that way, nothing is promised. You start to really have a different perspective on like, oh, I made the wrong choice. What does that mean? Is there such a thing? I don't believe in wrong choices. You made a choice Mm. and that choice led to another choice, which led to another choice, right? There's really no such thing as a wrong choice because every choice we make just adds to the lessons and the beauty and the growth and the, you know, the capacity that we now have. It's just a different way of looking at it versus this panic, like, let me hold on to it with two hands, which just leads us to such a, a stressed out, angry, blamey, controlling type of life, you know, or a relationship that's really based on, well, I, I own you you're mine, you've promised me this. And so because of that, you now owe me X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. It's a very ownership way of looking at relationships with our kids. You're mine, you're my child. And so I expect X, Y, and Z. You owe me this type of behavior and you don't owe me this type of behavior. Mm -hmm. It's how we approach a lot of our relationships and it's wildly codependent.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It takes me right back to my attachment style. Days. You know, because when we talk about these default patterns that come out, and I'll give maybe a little Cole's notes like avoidant being to push away or to like run in fear, that real like pulling away from a situation, anxious being more like moving towards and trying to control and trying to like gain reassurance and certainty that this is gonna still continue, right? Ultimately, the core fear there being abandonment you're not gonna be here tomorrow yeah you know like you're not and so this idea of the one in my mind when I see it play out is like if I can catch the flaws and perceive that you are not the one and get ahead of it yep before you end it or you tell me that I'm protecting myself here totally right that's why more avoidant attachment styles tend to be the fault finders and the ones who uh, will like kind of like nitpick and pick apart right? Mm -hmm. Where I'm totally more an anxious style that is like, please tell me you love me. You're not leaving me. You know, like, just, just, are you mad? Are you sure you're not mad? Like kind of, which I've, I've really settled it now. It's going on 10 year anniversary this year of the safety and security of our relationship. But when we first got engaged, I had nightmares Mm. of like, "Mm, I don't think so. I don't think that this any of this is real. So I don't even think that, like, we want to go forward with this. Like, are you sure? Because I don't think I'm sure. Like, I don't think I want to do this, right? And so when we are in the middle of the night in the nursery, breastfeeding or bottle feeding or rocking our child and watching shows about people totally, like, infatuated with each other and comparing our situation to them and then feeling some kind of way about it, it's like... Am I seeing the first stages that this person isn't going to be here? Like, I I go to like that fear place, that abandonment place. Like, oh, is what I have not like that? And that's what it's supposed to look like. If it doesn't look like that, is this the beginning of the end for us? Mm-hmm. Like, I hear that a lot from parents. Like, is this that seven-year whatever itch? Or is this part of our relationship where it all just crumbles from here? Yeah, I mean, I think so
1: much of this, again, goes back to our work around sitting with ourselves and like, can I do the work around? I'm okay. I've got me. Mm -hmm. And this isn't necessarily to say put up walls and be more avoidant. That's not what I'm saying, but it is a little bit more around. I know who I am as an autonomous being. Mm -hmm. I'm working on doing the reparenting work, by the way, that so often we want our partners to do for us. Right. Which is what a lot of this attachment stuff is, right? Like I need you to soothe me. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we want our parent to do. And so now I'm expecting my partner to do it, which by the way, ew, not really great for the sex life, Mm. right? And so Mm -hmm. it's really, again, it comes back to self. So much of this, like I get in my head and I start doubting and I'm spinning, get out of your head and into your body. Can we go with what's coming up for me? Why is my mind taking control of the wheel and getting myself into all these scenarios of like oh no it's not right is we haven't had sex in 2 weeks like something's wrong are we in a seven year why am i going there why am i spinning you're hiding from something your mind does that as a way to hide from something mm. can we do that work of getting still and sitting with the discomfort and the panic that's coming up that's causing those thoughts because the thoughts are in response to something. Mm-hmm. And I would guarantee it's exactly what you said. A lot of times those thoughts come out of, oh, God, I'm going to be alone. I'm going to be abandoned, uh, You know, destitute mm. what's going to happen. I'm going to be on the streets. Like I hear this stuff all the time from my clients. Mm-hmm. And so often I'm like, well, let's play the tape out. Let's do it. Let's do absolute worst case scenario. Worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, OK. It doesn't work out, right? And my partner leaves. OK. Worst case scenario. Keep going with it. So he leaves. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then what? Then I'm alone. Okay. Then what? Uh, Well, then I have to find an apartment. I have to move out. Okay. Then what? You know, and you just keep going with it and you're Mm -hmm. like, yeah, is it uncomfortable? Will some of that stuff suck? Will some of that stuff be hard? Yeah. But will you be okay? Yeah. Will you be alive? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Will you be able to figure out how to get through the pain? Yeah. Have you been through pain before? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's like this buildup. Right. And I think a lot of times it's actually important for us to just play the tape out, mm-hmm. take the potency out of the panicked thoughts, you know, and just sit with it. Mm-hmm. Sit with it. I know therapists say that all the time. It's almost annoying to hear somebody say, but we got to learn to sit with it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's a true case of underestimating our ability to handle a situation. Totally. Right. It's like it reminds me of almost like trauma when we're going through like trauma therapy or something. It's like the goal here isn't to like make life perfect and like avoid hardships because we'll have them with our relationships and life in general. It's like, how do we manage ourselves and cope with what we're going to go through together or apart? Mm -hmm. And I think that there's like a real belief like, I won't be okay if this is how it plays out. Right. Like, we don't see our resilience, we don't see our ability to manage or cope or like be scrappy and figure it out. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm sure there's also like layers of grief here too. Like if something is going in a way that isn't ideal in a way that we haven't foreseen or isn't expected, like we always thought that we were going to have sex like every day, every other day or whatever. And then life hands us something different. There is like a real having to reconcile those differences as well. Totally. Yeah. I mean, there is grief work in that. I don't mean it to sound flippant when I
1: say like we've got to just be able to face like this is a potential reality, right? Nothing is promised, Mm -hmm. like I said. And there is grief work in that. But again, grief work has to do with sitting in the fear, sitting in the discomfort and not distracting. Acknowledging it. Acknowledging it. Right. Saying it out loud, right? It's like if you acknowledge the boogeyman, the boogeyman has less power. It's like speaking truth, you know? And I do think on the flip side of that, what I have also seen too, is there are a lot of people out there that cling and hold on to things that might not be the healthiest and might not be the most fulfilling relationship because they'd rather that than the uncomfortable opposite, right? Which is maybe being alone or whatever that looks like. And so often I see both as a couples therapist, but also in working with adolescents. Years back, I used to work with a lot of teenagers and I used to say to people all the time, it's in that desperate clinging to something that deep down you know is actually not super healthy or not super fulfilling. The longer you stay in that, the more what happens is you end up hating each other. Mm, mm-hmm. And that hating each other is really what ends up having those kids sitting on my couch, mm. which is like I grew up in a household where my parents hated each other mm-hmm. because they were too afraid to be alone. Yeah, So they just stayed in something that was awful. And me, the child, took we we're the ones that actually took the brunt of it. Mm -hmm. Right. I grew up in that. And so now that's my cross to bear now as having always grown up in a household where I lived with two people that despised each other. Right. Right. Versus calling it before you get to the place of hating each other so that you guys can be friends because you loved each other once. Mm
0: -hmm. You can be
1: friends and co-parents and have an amazing family dynamic and life for your kids that doesn't actually center around hate. Mm -hmm. And I I think a lot of people are not really ready to have that conversation. It makes people very uncomfortable and I understand why. But as the person who's had the clients that are kids, you know, I I tend to challenge people to look at it even if they don't want to.
0: Well, like we think that sometimes the end of a relationship is like the ultimate thing to avoid and like failure. But, you know, research will tell us that if we were raised in a home where the parents are constantly in conflict and hate each other, sometimes divorce predicts better outcomes emotionally and otherwise, Mm -hmm. right? And I do weekend polls every weekend. And I feel like the most commonly asked question and the theme that comes up always is, is anybody contemplating leaving their partner? Mm -hmm. Is anybody like over it? but like hanging in there for the kids? And, And nobody wants to go into a relationship thinking about the end. Like we don't get into relationships thinking that they might part in a certain way or whatever. But if we are dating or are married to the ideal instead of the reality of the situation and the person, like, it's healthy to reevaluate our partnership. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, like, that's a scary thing to say. I think it's a scary thing to say to a community who have postpartum moms where we're so dependent on the support of somebody to get through this season. Totally. And it's scary to think about, but it also can be... Very healthy sometimes, I would say. I agree.
1: I agree. And I, I think again, it goes back to challenging this idea that like things have to look a certain way, that you know, we have to fit into some script, and that if it doesn't look a certain way, sound a certain way, feel a certain way, that we're damaged, there's something wrong with us, right. And, um I guess also challenging like where those notions came from. Mm. I do a lot of that with my clients, too. Like, who told you that it had to look like this and that you had to be in this? type of relationship in this type of way and this, you know, with this kind of person, like, where did you hear that from? Where did you learn that from? You know? Mm -hmm. And I think what I'm seeing in a lot of the younger clients that I work with, the younger generation is that they are really waiting to become partnered in a sense of like, you need to be the cherry on my Sunday. Mm. Because my life is my Sunday and you need to be a cherry. And if you're not a cherry, like there's no reason for me to partner because I'm good. And that's a huge shift. You know, I think, I know with like my mom and my grandmother, I mean, that wasn't an option, right? Like women had to be married because we couldn't survive otherwise. And that's not the case anymore. And so Mm -hmm. I do think, you know, people are like, oh, women are getting too picky. No, we're not. We just don't need it for survival anymore. Mm -hmm. And so you better be a cherry. Otherwise I'm good over here with my (laughs) Sunday. I love
0: that for us, can I say? Hell yes. I was reading something the other day about how the majority of divorces are actually initiated by women. And I was like, you know, it just speaks to what you're saying, like this evolution of like what we need in a partner now, because it isn't necessarily for physical financial security and survival. Like it is now for this emotional and intimate connection, like a real seeing and knowing. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole different expectation than maybe my mom or my grandmother had of their partner. Yeah. And so it changes, it changes the game. In exciting ways. Like I'm excited for the next generation of parents and partners. I have to ask before we wrap up, like, I'm just so curious and you guys touched on this in the book a little bit, but like being married to another therapist, like, come on, it's gotta be, there's gotta be pros and cons there. I can just imagine. Yeah. I mean, the pros are, you know,
1: we speak the language and we really kind of, I think have challenged each other to to work on some of the areas that we needed to grow in. And, you know, whether it's me being conflict avoidant or having a hard time speaking up, like he's really helped me with a lot of that. You know, I'm not perfect. I never will be, but same with him. He's definitely somebody who wants to talk about everything where I'm like, we don't need to talk about that again. Mm. I actually don't want to talk about it again. Like that conversation has been done. We're done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so uh, the cons being Sometimes we never stop talking about
0: things. I can so. see that. It would be like over analytical probably, right? Like if you're both Ooh, have that yeah. same perspective. Yeah, I can imagine that.
1: I will say our couples therapist, you know, because we regularly see somebody as I think if you can afford it, everybody should. Yeah. And regularly, 99% of the time we come in, and we've got our ideas and what we want to talk about and it doesn't matter. She'll stop us every time and be like, all right, let's turn towards each other. Stop talking look in each other's eyes. Mm. Let's settle into the more nervous system space. Let's talk about more from the emotional space, like get out of your heads because that's where we live so often. Mm -hmm. And almost every time we both come in with these kind of poker faces and we've got our list. And within 30 seconds of doing that, one of us is crying. Mm -hmm. I mean, almost instantly. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I think getting out of the head can be a really big
0: challenge when you're in a relationship with two therapists. I can just imagine or even like parenting and parenting styles. Like, Sometimes it's like an occupational hazard to just like know too much sometimes, you know, know too much. And so sharing yep. that with each other and and I believe partnered and not married, I'll correct myself there. But yeah, it's both like helpful and you know challenging at the same time, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait for this next project and book that you're working on. and for those who really resonated with this conversation today and your your approach to these topics, where can they find more from you and learn more?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm on Instagram, Vanessa S. Bennett. Website's vanessabennett.com. I mean, that's that's it. The book is It's Not Me, It's You. It came out last year with my partner. And yeah, you'll be seeing one probably in the next year from me, fingers crossed, on my own. All about being a mom. It's going to be called Touched Out. We'll Ooh, see what the subtitle I'm so
0: is. so <laughs> excited about it.
1: Oh, yeah. So yeah. if you, if this resonates, for sure, you'll find more there. But yeah, you can at me there. Also, TikTok. I'm on Dakota Yoda over there, all Mm. things codependency.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love that. And we'll link all of that in the show notes so people can easily click through and find you. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you, Erica. I know that it can be really discouraging or disheartening sometimes to see some of the shows that we watch on TV and how much romance and passion is involved or to daydream and long for the early days of your relationship where all you had time for was to prioritize each other. But over 70% of couples report feeling less satisfaction in their relationship for the first three years after baby. And that's not to say that we're doing anything wrong, I think it's actually highlighting what we're talking about, where we probably want to spend more time together, or we might want to prioritize each other more, but there are just so many barriers that can get in the way sometimes. Or maybe you're feeling under-supported and there are other things going on, allowing resentment to creep in. Either way, I want to normalize that our relationships do go through an adjustment, and if you're not sure whether yours is going through an average or normal adjustment along the baseline, or if it's going through something more difficult, or if you simply feel like you're looking for some support, book any free 15-minute consultation with our US or Canadian therapist to see how they can help support you during this stage of life and of your relationship. Head to momwell.com to learn more. That's momwell.com. I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week, where I'm being joined by Jamie Scrimger, host of the Kick-Ass Stepmom podcast, here with us to discuss transition into becoming a stepmom. You don't want to miss it. I'll see you right back here next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for resources or links from today's show, or you need a refresh on anything we've talked about, visit our show notes. You can find the link in the episode description, or you can head directly to momwell.com slash To join the MomWell email list and be the first one to know about new episode drops, insider info, or freebies, head to momwell.com newsletter. Join me next week. Until then, remember that you have to be well to MomWell.